I believe that even though we cannot control what happens to us, we do have complete control over how we choose to respond. I believe that this life is love school. Every experience, whether it's joyful or painful, is an opportunity for us to learn, change, and grow into a better version of ourselves. This is why I created Life is Love School. I am Hume Chang, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode one of Life is Love School. Today, we're going to talk about triggers, what it is, and how to handle it gracefully. This topic is really important for those of us that have experienced trauma. And as a result, we could be triggered by sounds, sights, smells, and thoughts that remind us of a past traumatic event. If we are in close relationship with someone, it is especially important that we recognize when we're being triggered and be able to skillfully work through the trigger with our partner. So first of all, what are triggers? While we don't know precisely how triggers are formed, some researchers believe that our brains store memories of a traumatic event differently from memories of a non-traumatic event. Past traumatic events could be interpreted by the brain as current, which then causes the body to experience symptoms similar to the original trauma. So for example, we could feel an urge to fight or flight. So what a trigger is, is it reminds us of, of a past trauma. The reminder could cause a person to feel an overwhelming uh, amount of sadness, anxiety, or even panic. It can also cause some people to have flashbacks. A flashback is a very vivid, often negative memory that may appear anytime without warning. It can cause somebody to lose track of their surroundings and literally relive the event like it was a nightmare. A typical example is a combat veteran that's being hypersensitive to loud popping sounds or any sudden movements. The veteran obviously knows that they're no longer in the war zone. However, their body's alarm system is so finely tuned to watch for these signals that these sounds and, and movement can literally trigger them to feel like they're back at the war zone. The interesting thing here to notice is that it's not just humans that can experience triggers, even animals can. So for example, I have a cat named Snuggles. We adopted her when she was one. At that point, both her and her kittens were driven away in a car by somebody and they dumped her in a public trash can. So she managed to jump out, but her kittens were still trapped in the, the trash can. So when animal control came over to get her, she refused to go and she just kept wailing until the workers found her kittens as well. This story obviously has a happy ending. Her kittens were adopted and we adopted her and we love and we spoil her. However, even though she's now 10 years old, the car travel is still a trigger for her, which makes taking her to the vet an ordeal for everybody. She would be wailing, she would scratch the car, she would scratch herself and just literally freak out when there's obviously no reason to. So similar to snuggles, when we humans are triggered, something that's happening today brings us back to a traumatic past. The good news is that because we're humans, we can reflect on what happened and recognize that we have been triggered and work through it versus seeing it as real and current danger. So what is a good way to handle triggers? So now that we know how triggers come about, it can still feel very frightening when we're triggered. 
it feels like we're living through it all over again. And for people that don't know what's going on, it can seem like we're totally overreacting. So in relationships with other people, first of all, we need to be aware of what's going on. Otherwise it can be an area of conflict and misunderstanding. So recently, a girlfriend of mine told me about an incident between her husband and her. So he didn't being a nice guy, he offered to cook dinner and she decided to take the time and go for a walk. So her husband estimated that for him to cook, it'll be done in about 30 minutes. But when she got back, he was still busy cooking. So when she asked her how much more time he needed, he kind of gave a little bit of a frustrated look and said, you know, why don't you just tell me how much time you need for walking and I'll just work to your schedule. So his response was a trigger to her because she grew up with a father that has a violent temper and a frown or a look of frustration from her father could be an early indicator that he's about to have a anger outburst. Now her husband is obviously not her father and by all accounts, he's a wonderful guy and a frown from her husband does not mean that she's in any danger, but the frown nonetheless triggered a strong emotion in her because it reminded her of a very difficult childhood. What I did point out to her is that her husband was also possibly triggered by the fact that she returned home early and he's not done cooking. So I suggested that she could try to figure out if her husband has a trigger that she accidentally pressed. And I'm totally making up things up here, but perhaps he grew up with demanding parents that expected perfection. So when he could not get the dinner ready in the time that he promised, he felt like he failed so the look of exasperation on his face perhaps was more of him being disappointed at himself and feeling stressed for under delivering than anything that's about her. So now that we know about triggers, how do we work with it? The number one thing is we must recognize when we are triggered. A good indication of when we're triggered is when our reaction is stronger than the situation warrants. When we don't recognize a trigger as a trigger, we could start to blame the people around us for how we feel, um, but not recognizing that it's actually just a reminder of something in the past. So if we are triggered, how do we work with a partner through it? So number one is you don't ever want to assume or guess your partner's feelings. Making assumptions can create a lot of misunderstandings in a relationship. You may feel like you know your partner very well and you're entitled to assume what they want or need without asking, but it's always in your best interest to ask and not assume. Also, you don't want to make your partner guess what's bothering you. A very childish way to interact is to sulk. Sulking is essentially hoping that the other person will be able to somehow magically guess what's going on in your head and this is just not a mature way to communicate. In fact, it's very egocentric. It's kind of passive aggressive of dealing with conflicts. And it's also unfair to people that have to deal with you know, sulking. The only people that should get a free pass at sulking are infants, right? Infants cannot talk. As grown-ups, it is our responsibility to communicate our needs and wants as clearly as we can so our partner can know how we think or feel. Number two is you always want to give your partner the benefit of the doubt. 
So there's never a need to jump to negative conclusions. Stay open-minded, stay curious, and really understand why he or she may be thinking or acting in the way that they did. Also, be mindful that our partner's reaction may have very little to do with us. The example that I gave earlier uh, is possible where my friend's husband may have frowned for his reasons and it has nothing to do with her. So my friend did something very wise is that she was able to catch herself, communicate how she felt and make the whole thing a discussion with her husband instead of assuming that he was upset at her. The key to communicating these kind of frustrations is to stay calm, not get defensive and really seek to understand your partner's point of view. The third point is that you want to offer reassurance. So reassurance your partner that you're not trying to point out who is right or who's wrong and nor do you want to make them feel like their feelings don't matter. You also want to let them know that things don't have to always go your way. You're open to negotiate and compromise. And it's also an excellent idea to let your partner know why you're triggered. So let them in on your background. So this will help your partner actually see things from your point of view and understand why when they do certain things or say certain things, you may react more strongly and not take it personally. And the fourth point is be collaborative. This is an attitude thing. So you really want to come to this problem and see it as a we problem. Let your partner know that you're willing to make some changes and you're willing to work with them to find mutually acceptable solutions. And definitely don't jump to blaming your partner for how you feel. Be willing to self-reflect and see if there's anything you said or did that escalated the situation. Remember, right at the end of the day, the only person we have control over is ourselves. And then lastly, if you've been uh, kind of paying attention to, to the guidance here, is we're really going through a boundary setting exercise. In fact, um, working with a partner through the situation that triggers you is a perfect way to exercise boundary setting. On the other hand, a boundary is really only as real as the actions that back it up. If you try to repeatedly communicate with your partner or anyone how you like to be treated, but they still don't respect your boundary, they ignore you, then it might be time to really back off, take a step back in the relationship or even end it. I believe that everybody has the right to be treated with respect and fairness, and you shouldn't expect anything less for yourself. Boundary setting is a skill. It takes practice. So remember to not be hard on yourself. It doesn't come easy, but just trust your instincts, be open-minded and see it as a practice, right? Practice with your partners. And as you communicate more, the relationship will only get stronger. I hope you found this episode helpful. My goal is to bring you bite-sized chunks of wisdoms every week to help you learn, have a, a more peaceful, joyful, and balanced life. I always love to hear from you. So if there's anything you'd like to see discussed, feel free to drop me a comment or reply to my newsletter. And also don't forget to join us on Life is Love School on Facebook. I hope to see you next time.